It's got my mind on you And everywhere I turn is a reminder morning. Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with a worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Thanks for listening to this Bible lesson. At Barah Ministries, we worship a triune Godhead. There is one God who expresses himself to mankind as three separate, distinct, co-equal, co-infinite, and co-eternal persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father is the author of the triune Godhead's plan for creatures. God the Father considers every believer in union with Christ to be his very own workmanship, and it is his pleasure to work inside of believers to help them become who he wants them to become. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says this, For it is God the Father who is at work in you believers in Christ, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God the Son, the Lord, volunteered to execute God the Father's plan. And among the religions of the world, there's a great debate about the veracity of Jesus Christ being God. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus Christ is God in innumerable places, including Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. It says, Behold, the virgin, Mary, shall be pregnant with a child, and she shall bear a son. And Joseph and Mary shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Yes, Jesus Christ is the sovereign God of the universe. Anyone who was studying the Old Testament scriptures should have recognized him as the Jewish Messiah immediately. God the Holy Spirit is our mentor and teacher, and he is the rudder of the Christian's life. He plays an important role in our salvation. Many Christians get baptized by being dunked in water, and you'll hear them say that water baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality. In truth, getting dunked in water plays absolutely no role in salvation. God the Holy Spirit plays a major role in our salvation through the baptism of the Spirit. At the moment of salvation, God the Holy Spirit places every believer in union with Christ, so we are then identified with Christ, and that's what baptism means. It's an identification. Acts chapter 1, verse 5 says this, For John the Baptist baptized with water, but you will be baptized with God the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That's what the Lord had to say to his disciples. As Christians, we have a deep, intimate, and personal relationship with the entire Godhead through the study of the Word of God, the Bible. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 emphasizes the importance of the Bible. 
It says this, so will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. The word of God is alive and powerful and sharp, just like a two-edged sword, and it's a critic of thoughts and intents of the heart. Well, God has an enemy, Satan, whom God made the ruler of this world for a finite period of time. As believers in Christ, we are not fighting for the victory in the spiritual warfare that's being waged in this world. We are operating from victorious ground. We can't be defeated. Those of us in union with Christ have the victory over Satan through our Lord, who has overcome the world. James chapter 4, verse 7 says this, Believers in Christ, submit yourselves to God by obeying him. Resist the devil by standing fast on your victorious ground, and he will flee from you. Satan is powerless against our God. Thus he is powerless against us when we use divine power to overcome him. Believers in Christ are divinely powerful because we are in union with the indwelling trinity, And this divine power enables us to tear down fortresses raised up against God and against the knowledge of God because we take every thought captive to Christ. We rest in union with him. Today's Bible lesson, how does the Lord expect Christians to treat people? How does the Lord expect Christians to treat people? In a word, love. Matthew chapter 22, verse 39 says, You shall love your neighbor unconditionally, just as you love yourself unconditionally. We don't always do such a good job of that loving ourselves unconditionally, do we? Well, in today's lesson, you'll get a glimpse of what it looks like to be a spiritually mature Christian who follows the Lord's requests as it relates to the treatment of others. Well, let's hear some music. How does the Lord treat his believers? He treats us with unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace. Here's June Murphy to remind us about forgiveness in her song, He Remembers to Forget. Salvation's door is open, whosoever can enter in. Christ died for the whole world, all you need is to believe. God wants none to perish, your sins aren't a memory. God is ever faithful 
When stumbling into sinfulness, we need not hide. Cause God keeps his promises, all that he has made. Restoration is provided, and we can boldly say, We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, thank you for providing us with divine power so we can use it to treat others well. Thank you for using us to restore others by reflecting your forgiveness when they fall temporarily from grace. Thank you for the compassion built into the fruit of God, the Holy Spirit, that enables us to lift others when they fall. Help us not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think when we are correcting others. Help us to reflect your unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace to others. And help us to remember that we need unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace as well, so we don't get puffed up with pride. We ask this through the power of God the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, how does the Lord expect Christians to treat people? How does the Lord expect Christians to treat people? Well, the next two passages 
We'll complete our study of Paul's letter to the believers in Christ in first century, in the first century churches Paul established in the Galatian region, which is in modern day Turkey. And you'll remember that right after these Galatians became believers in Christ, false teachers attacked them with false teaching that invited them to become Jewish, to follow rules and rituals and religious practices as a condition of salvation. How do false teachers treat people? Poorly. Mark chapter 7, verse 7 says this, But in vain do false teachers worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men, and the precepts of men is false teaching. They treat us in a way that invites us back into slavery. But Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says this, It was for freedom that Christ set us believers in Christ free. Therefore, keep on standing firm in the freedom and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. So let's look at the final chapter of Paul's letter to the Galatians. That's chapter 6 to see what we have to look forward to as we close out this amazing letter. In the original languages, there was no chapter break. There were no chapter breaks. So we begin with the last verse in chapter 5 to begin a new set of thoughts that lead into chapter 6. So we start with Galatians chapter 5, verse 26. Let us believers in Christ not become boastful, challenging one another, Envying one another. Galatians 6 1. And, you know, that's what poor treatment is. Well, how does the Lord want us to treat each other? Galatians 6 1. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. Galatians 6, 2. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians chapter 6, verse 3. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Galatians 6, 4. But each one must examine his own work and then he will have reason for boasting regarding himself alone and not in regard to another. Galatians 6, 5. For each one will bear his own load. Galatians 6.6 6. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Galatians 6.7 Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Galatians 6.8 For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Galatians six ten. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Galatians six eleven. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand? Galatians 6.12, those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply so that they won't be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Galatians 6.13, 
for those who are circumcised, did not even keep the Mosaic law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. Galatians 6.14 But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Galatians 6.15 For neither is circumcision anything, nor is uncircumcision anything, but a new creation is everything. Galatians 6.16 And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, and upon the Israel of God. Galatians 6.17 From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. Galatians 6.18 The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. Well, today we'll look at the first five verses of this chapter, which is one-third of the entire chapter. How does the Lord expect Christians to treat people? Actually, the first ten verses of Galatians chapter 6 paint a picture of the mature Christian. And make no mistake, the Lord sent God the Holy Spirit to mature us because he knew that he needed to send somebody who could do the job. The Apostle Paul distinguishes the spiritually mature Christian from the immature or carnal Christian in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, he says this, Brethren, I, Paul, could not speak to you as if I were speaking to spiritual men, but I have to speak to you as if I'm speaking to men of flesh, as if I am speaking to infants in union with Christ. This is what teachers battle all the time, that there are some people that you teach and you have to teach them over and over and over again just the elementary things because they don't ingest the elementary things. And rather than being able to advance, you just end up getting stuck in one place because they can't <coughs> advance. <coughs> Excuse me. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2. I gave you milk to drink. That's what we give to babies not solid food, for you are not yet able to receive solid food. Indeed, even now, you're not able to receive solid food. So what do we feed to babies? We feed the elementary doctrines. But we can't advance to advanced doctrines because they're not able to take it in. 1 Corinthians 3.3. Why? Because you're still fleshly. You're still listening to the flesh. And that's not unusual for immature believers, carnal believers. They just transition into Christianity. They don't really know anything about Christianity. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men, just as unbelievers walk? Well, how does the Lord expect spiritually mature Christians to treat people? Let's look at today's passage. It's Galatians chapter 5, verse 26 to Galatians chapter 6, verse 5. It says this, Let us believers in Christ not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Galatians 6, 1. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to himself, so that you too will not be tempted. 
Galatians 6, 2. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. We've been talking a lot about the law of Moses. Well, today we'll get a chance to talk about the law of Christ. Christ has laws too. Galatians 6, 3. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And it's always a reminder that we're nothing. It's a reminder not to get arrogant. Galatians 6, 4. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting regarding himself alone and not in regard to another. Galatians 6, 5. For each one will bear his own load. Well, in every church and in every relationship as Christians, we will interact with others who have fallen in some way. What are some of the things we do wrong? Well, fornication, that's premarital sex. Adultery, that's sex between married people. Income tax evasion, we cheat the government on our taxes. Uh, April's coming up, so that's the (laughs) that's the time to do it, I guess. Stealing. And it can be minor things. It can be just something as simple as stealing office supplies from work. Putting others down. That's a world-famous one where we, we put ourselves up here and put everybody else down here and wonder why people don't fulfill our standards. Being unforgiving, gossiping, maligning, judging. All of us fall prey to sins like these all the time. Back in Galatians chapter 5, I think it was verses 19 to 21, it gave a whole list of sins that we so easily are entangled by. Well, when others fall, what are you like? When you haven't made a mistake and somebody in your life has, what are you like? Are you spiritual, which means mature, or are you carnal, immature, when you're in a position to help a fallen brother or sister? Do you demonstrate unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace? Are you a part of the solution, or are you a part of the problem? And, you know, one of the things that turns unbelievers off to Christianity is how Christians take on a holier-than-thou legalistic attitude and, most of all, direct that to each other. One of the things we'll hear in in the second part of this passage next week or in a couple of weeks is that we're to treat people who are in the household of faith in an amazing way. And that is not really what happens most of the time. Most of the time what we do is we treat Christians like dirt and we act like uh, unbelievers in the treatment of other people. And God does not like that, not even a bit. So when others fall, what are you like? That's what we're going to investigate today. When we return from the break, we'll take the offering and then we'll reflect on what God wants to teach us about how to treat people and especially when they're down. Take a five-minute break. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong at the end of the line. With all the other not quite, with all the never get it right. But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for. I'm just a nobody Trying to tell everybody All about somebody Who saved my soul Ever since you rescued me 
Welcome back to today's Bible lesson. How does the Lord expect Christians to treat people? How does the Lord expect Christians to treat people? Well, God the Father loves all His creatures unconditionally, and He loves us so much that He gave His Son to save us. God the Father is not conflicted at all about giving. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 says this, Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, and closes his heart against his brother, how does the unconditional love of God abide in this person? 1 John 3.18 
Little children, that's a reference to believers in Christ. Let us not love unconditionally with word or with tongue. Unconditional love is not just talk. But let us love unconditionally with deeds and in truth. Let this be a time in your life when you realize what God the Father is able to do with what you give. Realize the importance of giving. It makes life an amazing experience for those in need. Be generous with the gifts your God has given you, your time gifts, your talent gifts, and your treasure gifts. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with one of his always inspiring offering messages. Good morning. <clears throat> My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be a deacon for Bra Ministries. I'm blessed because at Bra Ministries, we know that we can give it all to God, from our problems to our prosperity to everything that we have in our life. And it's one of the simple things that helps keep life clean and easy to think about. We see it in Philippians chapter 4, verses six. Verse, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Stop worrying about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So everything known to God. And I think a lot of times we always think of the big stuff, you know, like cancer or like a compound fracture on our leg or something really bad. But we always forget about, you know, what about the paper cuts in life? What about the small things? You know, just the sore ankle or a sore stomach. And those kind of days, you know, we also need to think about the small stuff. And I'm thinking... You know, if you think about your sins, we also focus on the big things. Oh, you know, at least I don't murder anybody. At least I don't, you know, I haven't done some of these things. But gossip is just as bad. Gossip can be, gossip can be the cancer of the, of the workplace. You talk behind somebody's back, you start these things. So it's really easy to think about the large things in life, the large prosperity or the large problems, but not the small things. And that's where Satan gets us is at the edges. He trims away at the edges with gossip and stuff like those maligning people and those kind of things are horrible, and they, they stack up, you know, and so it's one of those things, we need to give all those things to God, and we know that here at, at Barah Ministries, give everything to God, and so in the same way at the offering, give everything to Barah Ministries. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, we need it. No, I'm kidding, but we do. So... <laughs> Be anxious for nothing. Stop worrying about anything. That's hard to do. It's really easier said than done. But do it with the big things and the small things and do it with the offering. So remember that God takes care of all of us. And he says requests, not one, but all. So remember that. So thank you very much.
Welcome back. Today's Bible lesson, how does the Lord expect Christians to treat people? How does the Lord expect Christians to treat people? Well, let's learn from this passage in Galatians chapter 6, verse by verse. We're going to take up the first five verses. How does the Lord expect people, Christians to treat people, especially when they're down, is our focus. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 26, and we'll go through Galatians chapter 6, verse 5, verse by verse. Here's Galatians 5, 26. Let us believers in Christ not become boastful, challenging one another, and envying one another. So first and foremost, the Lord doesn't want us to devour each other. And that's what's easy to do. We, we love picking on people, looking at their faults, surfacing their faults, and being negative and talking about people negatively. He wants us to support each other. So I ask you again, when others fall, what are you like? Are you spiritual, which means mature, or are you carnal, which means immature, when you're in a position to help a fallen brother or sister? Do you demonstrate unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace? Are you a part of the solution that restores them, or are you a part of the problem by condemning them? And I've seen situations where, you know, people will investigate you and they'll see things in your lifestyle that they don't like, and then they'll just dismiss you as a human being because they don't like the way you live your lives. And it's always convenient to do that as long as you don't look at your own life. But there are other people looking back at you who may not enjoy the way you live your life. Well, what's the point? The point is live and let live. And the point is all of us will fall flat on our face at some point in life. All of us will make mistakes where we are down. And the mistake when you're most down is the mistake where you fell and you absolutely did it. And there's no way that you can mentally justify your way out of it that you didn't somehow do it. You absolutely did it. You are totally guilty, just like we are at the moment, uh, just before the moment of salvation. We're totally guilty, spiritually dead, and going to the lake of fire. Well, those, those, there are those situations in our lives all the time where we aren't all that, and everybody outside of us knows it, and we know it too because it's inescapable that that is our situation. Every one of us will have that situation where we can't justify what we did. That's a fall. Well, what are you like as a Christian and as a person when you're dealing with somebody who has fallen, when you know somebody is sinning and you need to tell them about it? You know, and, and tell them about it out of concern, not tell them about it because you want to lord it over them. Well, what are you like? Do you restore them or condemn them is really the question. Because we know what God does. He doesn't condemn us. According to Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in union with Christ. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. The spotlight in this verse is on the forgiver and not on the one who needs forgiveness. Isn't that interesting? The Lord has forgiven. 
as you restore a fallen brother or sister? Do you remind them of the Lord's forgiveness, or do you remind them how despicable they are? The Lord wants us to do what it says in Galatians 6, 2, which is, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. As church-age believers, we are not under the law of Moses. That was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. We are under the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Among other things, there is forgiveness. When we bear the burden of a fallen one, we can happily sing, He ain't heavy, he's my brother. When we're mature, we won't let a fallen brother or sister be crushed. We won't let them be destroyed. We won't be like the scribes and Pharisees. And Jesus outed them all throughout Matthew chapter 23. We're going to look at verses 1 to 5, which say this. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, Matthew 23, 2, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. And and if you don't know what that is, they they seat themselves right up front. Matthew 23, 3. Therefore, all that they tell you, do that and observe that. But do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and don't do them. In other words, they puff themselves up. They are self-important. They point out your flaws, but they don't look at their own. They tell you to do certain things, but they don't do those things themselves. Matthew chapter 23, verse 4. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they're unwilling to move these burdens with so much as a finger. Matthew 23, 5, but they do all their deeds to be noticed by men. There are a lot of people in life that are like that. They just want approval of men, and approval of men and $3.20 will get you a cup of Starbucks coffee. Not really important at all. In other words, they come in, And these are the false teachers with their false teaching, among others. They come in, they spy out your liberty, and then they seek to burden us with rules, rituals, and religious practices designed to rob us of our freedom just to be. Can I just be? Can I just be me? You, as a believer in Christ, can develop the extraordinary skill of detecting the burdens of others, seeing them clearly, and you can devote yourself daily to making them lighter, demonstrating God's unconditional love. In other words, how do you help people to relax? How do you help people to be comfortable in their own skin? How do you help people to realize that they're not imperfect and not to be bothered by it at all? And by telling them that God, how God feels about them. It's really difficult because people are more focused on what people think about them. The Lord never burdens us. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, here's what the Lord has to say. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm not going to put any burdens on you. Matthew 11, 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And a yoke is a device where you put two animals in it. So the Lord is in one side of the yoke and you're in the other side of the yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You may have seen people with a bumper sticker, God is my co-pilot. 
Yeah, no. God is the pilot. But it's, it's an interesting uh, visual analogy because a pilot and a co-pilot sit next to each other. And at Matthew eleven twenty nine, uh, in the yoke, the Lord and us are next to each other. And the Lord values us that much. Matthew eleven thirty, the Lord says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he is absolutely right about that. Why is his burden so light? Because he carries most of the load. The immature Christian who does not make the burden of a fallen brother or sister lighter acts superior to them. And Paul warns us about this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 3. He warns them specifically by saying, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. That's the hardest thing for Christians to realize. The hardest thing for us to realize is that we are nothing. And that's why, you know, well, why don't you change the songs ever? Well, the break song is nobody. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. We can't be reminded enough about that as Christians, that we are nobodies. And the only thing that makes us somebody or something is the Lord. And that's why we're named Barah Ministries. In the beginning, God created. He spoke into existence from nothing the entire earth and the universe. Well, he did the same thing when he created us. He spoke something into existence from nothing. And we can't ever let that get out of our mind. Why? Because it's a warning about arrogance and pride and self-reliance and self-importance and superiority and condescension. How many of us are engaging in those things all the time? thinking that we're something when we're nothing. This is not how God wants us to treat each other, especially those who are down. It's not how he treats us. Galatians chapter 6, verse 4. Each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. When a person is sinning, he needs a way to make things right. And, and by the way, if a person is sinning, we can't forget that the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross to pay for every sin, past, present, and future, for every creature in the universe for all time. But restore him, which we heard in verse 1, Galatians 6, 1, in Greek means to reset a broken bone. You know, a lot, of, a lot of times in our Christian life, we'll feel broken and we'll need to reset a broken bone. And I don't know if you've ever broken a bone, but I know one thing. When I broke a bone, I didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to reset it myself. And see, I, th- I see a lot of Christians play this stupid game with themselves where they think that the only relationship that's important in their lives is their relationship with God. And that is not true. That is certainly a very critical relationship, God to self. But then there's a relationship of self to self, which is one of the most ignored relationships. And then there's a relationship of self to others. And that's what we're talking about today, self to others. What are you like when a brother or sister has fallen, when they're down on their luck, when they're guilty of just screwing something up. What do you like? Do you help them feel better about themselves? Do you help them feel better when they're down? 
Do you help them come out of the pit is really the question. So when a person is sinning, he needs a way to make things right, and the restore him means to reset a broken bone. We don't say it's his problem, not my problem. If we really care about a person's ultimate welfare, we confront them with their sin as well as comforting them in their time of trouble. We are soft on the person, but we are tough on the issue of sin. And we remember John chapter 15, verse 5. It says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. And of course, God the Holy Spirit provides the sap that feeds the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That has to ring loud and clear in a Christian's mind. Apart from him, you can do nothing. Apart from him, whatever you're doing is nothing. So we remember as Christians that we are ordinary people relying on extraordinary power, the power of God the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.18 says this, if you are led by God the Holy Spirit, and of course all believers in Christ are, you are not under the Mosaic law. You are not under legalism. When we are restoring others, we are led by the Spirit. Also, we walk by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and verse 25 say this, But I, Paul, say to you, Galatian believers in Christ, and to all believers in Christ, walk by the power of God the Holy Spirit. Create a lifestyle where you depend on the power of the Holy Spirit, and you will not know way, not know how, carry out the desire of the flesh. You cannot defeat the flesh alone. You cannot resist the flesh You don't have the willpower or the discipline to get over what the flesh is trying to make you do when you're listening to it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. If we believers in Christ live by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, and of course we do, it's if, first class condition, if, if and it's true. Let us also walk by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. So stop walking in our own power. And when we do that, What God the Holy Spirit does through us is he makes us a marquee. What is a marquee? It's a billboard, a lighted billboard. You think about New York and Times Square. There are a lot of marquees in Times Square. And when you go there at night, it's bright and lit, and there are messages on the marquee. Well, what do we become a marquee for? We become a marquee for the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 say this, but the fruit of God the Holy Spirit, is love, joy, peace in yourself, it's patience, kindness, goodness toward others, it is faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in your relationship with God. Against such virtues there is no law. So we go back to Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, restore others in a spirit of gentleness. That is us acknowledging that that's what we do in our relationship with God. In our relationship with God, what is he teaching us? Gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And that's an amazing thing when we start to develop that because God the Holy Spirit is developing it in us. In short, we don't rely on ourselves and on human power, which is completely inadequate. As Christians, when we rely on the Spirit's guidance and power, 
any correction that we do of others will be done in gentleness. And that's when a relationship really becomes a relationship. A relationship becomes a relationship. When who you're in a relationship with is okay for who they are and is okay for who they are not. And when they make mistakes, you're not getting irritated by it, and you're not wishing they were different, and you're not wishing that they would fulfill your, all of your goals and hopes and dreams. You're not wishing that they would act like you want them to act. You accept them for how they are. So in short, we don't rely on ourselves and on human power, which is completely inadequate, and we rely on the Spirit's guidance We do corrections with gentleness. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And we play that in our head over and over and over again. Galatians chapter 6, verse 5. Why aren't we arrogant or puffed up when we correct others? Because when we are before the Lord making an account of ourselves, we will not be able to compare ourselves to others. Galatians 6, 5 says this. Each one will bear his own load. How does the Lord expect Christians to treat people? He expects us to treat people as he would, with unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace. Who have you lifted up lately is the question you'd have to ask yourself. Who have you lifted up lately? In whose life do you make a difference? Or as I like to ask my coaching clients all the time, what difference does it make that you're even on the planet? The closing moments of our lesson today could be the 10 most important minutes of your life. We want you to know that God wants you. And what he wants from you is to make the most important decision of your life. You are one of God's creatures. And if you choose, you can be a child of God. John chapter 1 verse 12 says this. As many as received the invitation from Jesus to be saved, to them he gave the right to become children of God the Father, even to those who believe in Jesus' name. The problem is you may think the Lord is like our human parents, emotional, arbitrary, sentimental. Our parents tell us what to do, we do the opposite, and they let us off the hook. Your divine parent, the Lord Jesus Christ, does not operate that way. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27 say this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, this is the Lord speaking, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Matthew chapter 24, verse 26. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Matthew 24, 27, the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. God is inviting you to be saved. He tells you exactly what you have to do to be saved. And God says there's only one way to heaven. John chapter 14, verse 6 says this, Jesus said, I am the way to salvation. I am the truth through the word of God, the gospel message. And I am the resurrection life. No one comes to God the Father in heaven but through believing in me. God has a plan for your salvation. 
In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, the Lord says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, what is the will of God the Father for your salvation? It's simple. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved by God, you and everyone in your household who also believes. It takes about 30 seconds of your time to be saved. You simply turn to the God who saves you and you ask for salvation. And you can do it right this minute. The Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. It says, I, Paul, delivered to you as of primary importance the gospel message I also received from God, that it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to the Old Testament scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Old Testament scriptures. If you ignore God's offer of salvation, there are consequences. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 says this, But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, all of those are references to unbelievers in lifestyle, not sins. Their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. There is spiritual death, which is the first death. We're born spiritually dead. And then there is the second death in the lake of fire. If you die spiritually dead, the second death will be in the lake of fire, the eternal home of those who reject a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we encourage you to accept the invitation and heed the warning of John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life right at that moment. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. When you believe, you simply take God's word for it concerning what it takes to be saved. Do it right now, and you'll be saved for all time. Well, let's close with music. We often wonder if we're special to God. We question it, as in the song, Who Am I? by Casting Crowns. Let's listen to see what we discover about how the Lord treats us.
But because of what you've done Not because of what I've done But because of who you are I am a flower quickly fading Here today and gone tomorrow A wave tossed in the ocean A vapor in the wind Still you hear me when I'm calling Lord, you catch me when I'm Almighty God and Father, thank you for the instruction concerning how you expect us to treat others. We have a relationship with you, we have a relationship with ourselves, and we have relationships with others. Yet your guidance doesn't change. You ask us to reflect you in all relationships with unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace. As we go forth into this week, Let us seek out opportunities to carry the burdens of others and to lighten their loads just as you would, especially our brothers and sisters in union with Christ who are struggling with trespasses. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Uh, The discussion and lesson and prayer circle is canceled for today. If you've got biblical questions, ask the pastor, pastor at baradministries.com. Keep on studying the Word of God. Thanks for coming, thanks for watching, and thanks for listening.